Welcome to the Brunch and Slay podcast, your weekly dose of inspiration. Well, we remember that if she can, I can, we all can. I'm your host, Amira Sain, founder of Brunch and Slay, a lifestyle brand created to inspire women to live their best lives every day. Welcome back to Brunch and Slay. This week is going to be really fun for me because not only do I have a successful businesswoman who is a author, who is a motivational speaker, who is the founder of the event series Face It, but she is also my friend. I'm lucky enough to call this powerhouse my friend and she has been so gracious to be on Brunch and Slay today. So today I introduce you to my dear friend, Miss Charlie Marco. Hello, Charlie. Hey. Hey, everybody. <laughs> How are you? I am wonderful. I am so glad to have you here. Y'all, I don't y'all, I don't even want to tell y'all how long I've been waiting for Charlie to be on the show. She is, not only is she, like all those things I named, she's a mother, she's an educator, she is a busy bee, and she is a person who truly, genuinely is a giver. Um, I don't want to jump too hard ahead mm-hmm. of myself, but her schedule is always packed. I literally was drinking wine tonight out of uh, one of the many gifts. She's always giving me things. Like, you know those people who just, I thought of you. She always makes me feel bad because she's always giving me good stuff. <laughs> that's my love language i am a gift giver so yes 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 and she always gives good things like literally every week i have to drink out of at least two mugs she gave me because they're always cute they're always on point they always make me feel better so thanks charlie you probably didn't even know that did you oh no I didn't. <laughs> well so i know charlie uh and lots of you guys who have you know, been so supportive and who have come to brunch and slay events have met Charlie because she comes to everything because that's the kind of friend she is and the kind of supporter she is. She's always there. But for those folks who haven't met Charlie, I want to definitely ask you a few questions and let you tell them a little bit about your backstory. Uh, A lot of folks don't know this, but Charlie and I have known each other for a long time. Long time. A long time. We are both uh, not only Texans, but we are Dallasites. So we we represent D-Town all day here in the city of H-Town, even though we both love H-Town and have adopted Houston. But uh, Charlie, tell them a little bit about who you are. Well, you know, that's such a loaded question. But <laughs> Hey, guess what? You can say whatever you want because this is not PG-13. You can say whatever you want. Girl, well, right now I'm calling myself the last living unicorn, you know, because I, I try to sprinkle magic and fairy dust everywhere I go. But um, I am a mother to Gavin, who is a teenager. And that's like uh, something new within itself. Um, but best-selling author, motivational speaker, uh, self-love advocate. Um, I am a big advocate of women knowing their self-worth and loving themselves because if you don't, nobody else will. Um, I'm an educator by day and by night as well Um, when I stand up and proclaim um, how to love yourself. I'm educating others as well on that. So 
on top of all of those many hats, uh, I am an entrepreneur and trying to start a publishing company right here in the city of Houston. So got some projects that are underway. And so this is like a, you're right, busy bee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she owns it. You know, like, what did I tell you yesterday? Your team doing too much. And I say that lovingly because I'm always team doing too much. That's probably why we're just kindred spirits. Because both of us are constantly juggling 17 different balls that we probably should only be juggling 15. Um, (laughs) But that's what I love. Not only that, I mean... Charlie's the only child. I mean, like, where did you go to college, Charlie? So I am a graduate of the University of Houston. Go Cougs. Came here in 1997 and never left the city. Fell in love with Houston. You know, Dallasites get mad when I say that. But this city means so much to me because this is where I became a woman. Um, And, you know... It's different when you're being raised with a mom, but when you have to get out here and learn that thing on your own and come into your own and lay your own foundation and grow your wings. So this is where I became who I am, the Charlie that you know at the University of Houston. And then from there, I went to Texas Southern to get my master's in counseling. And while I was in a master's program, found out I was pregnant, never stopped going. <laughs> had a baby and was back in class two weeks later. My professor asked me to leave class, but I'm just that determined to get it done. Like, I'm a get her done girl. Yeah, I mean, so much so not to jump ahead of myself. Like, literally, guys, you know, I don't know if you guys have caught up, and if you haven't, you need to go back and listen to the episode I talked about the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey. But it's still very fresh here in Houston, even though it's December now. I'm just trying to give you guys a timeline. But ser- literally, after Charlie and I made sure one another were okay and our homes weren't, we're still in good standing. Um, the first thing she said was like, I felt so creative. I felt like I need, there's a book in me. There's a story in me. Like literally I'm talking about days after the storm. I'm not talking about two or three months, like days after the storm, Charlie tells me this and I'm, I'm listening because I know that she's going to do it. Now, mind you, I never second guessed that she was going to do it, but literally maybe a month later, I shit you not, maybe a month later, I might, it's definitely with some weeks. I'm going to say the most eight weeks later, this woman tells me, hey, the book is uh, getting ready to get get to the publisher. We're we're wrapping it up. I said, say what now? Yes. (laughs) Say what now? She's like, I told you I was going to do it. And I'm like, I know you told me you were going to do it. I was thinking like, give me six months even, because it's not like she's sitting around on a tuffet all day, you know, following her nails. This woman is a busy bee. She is booked. And she already has written this book that I cannot wait to get my hands on because I know where it's coming from the heart. And I don't, we'll talk about it in a second, but I just had to say that uh, to say what kind of woman we're talking about when it comes to uh, saying you're going to do something, following through and putting, you know, we talk about it all the time, one foot in front of the other and just making it happen. But Charlie, Charlie, yes, you are girl. Arthur now. And this is what, your fifth book? This is four. Number four. Okay, four. I know. Okay, I know that you know we got a ton out there. So, back me up. Let's talk about how. What did you always want to be an author? So this goes back to 1989, where I was in fourth grade and we had to write a story. I kid you not. I can go put my hand on it right now. We had to write a story about the most influential woman. And I wrote about my godmother. 
And the governor of Texas, Governor Clemens, say that's how old it is, sent a certificate to me commending me for my writing. And I cherished it. Like it, it made a big deal at my elementary school because Governor Clemens sent it to me, right? And okay, no big deal. Well, you know, when we had TAS back in the day, now it's tax and all these other things. Well, I would always kind of score a perfect score. I remember just as a child losing myself and whatever I was going through into writing. It made me feel better. I juggled with body shaming at an early age. And so I would write about these things. And it's like the paper and pen never judged me. It just allowed me to be me and never said, yeah, girl, you're fat or yeah, girl, you're dumb. Like whatever that I was feeling, I poured my heart and soul out on a piece of paper, loose leaf sheets. And I felt better afterwards. And so when I was going through the divorce five years ago, I remember, I mean, seriously, I was like, I want to bust the windows out of his car. I want to, like, just take a baseball bat to his head. But I knew I couldn't because I loved freedom (laughs) more than being in someone's jail. And I went back to what was familiar to me, which was pouring my heart and soul out on paper. And that is how it became official. Wow. So let me ask this. Had it been dormant before that? Did that particular crisis or or I won't even call it a crisis because we're not going to give that situation that much power. That transition, that new chapter, that, you know, fork in the road in your life. Did that bring it back? Had it been dormant? Well, no, because if you're, you know, go attend college, you're always writing papers, but it's like more technical writing. Right. But I mean, like passionate, like, hey, like relief, the therapeutic part. of Yes, that was now that part of me was dormant. And so, but, you know, it just it's laying dead. But it was like when you when I read books, I don't know, you're you're a reader as well. Mm -hmm. I like to take people on journeys. I like for them to put themselves in the story. And so that's how I kind of started writing that part that was dormant within me. And it became an awakening moment for me. And I was like, this is good. <laughs> because sometimes, you, you know, you're so into your thoughts that you, you don't know what you're saying. It's just like flowing. Yeah. 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 Wow, it's crazy to me, like knowing your personality and knowing how much of a storyteller you are verbal, you know, like you are definitely a storyteller um, and a captivating personality when it comes to telling your stories. Or That's why I, I definitely have no doubt with motivational speaking. When I saw that, I thought, OK, that's Charlie. I could definitely see you demanding the room, commanding the room, not demanding, <laughs> uh, <laughs> commanding the room. So to hear that you started this so long ago. I love hearing stories about how the pieces get connected because I love to look back even in my life, especially in those moments where you need that lift me up and you can kind of almost see how your path is, is like a, it's like dominoes. You know, you can look back and see what led you to every point and what, you know, brought you to whatever. So going back to your elementary school days and you're talking about 
you know, and not to not to bring up pain, but you know, body shaming and things that were hurtful at that time. So, are we talking about bullying? Or are we talking about? And I use that term, you know, I don't, you know, bullying right now. I think a lot of people use that like it's self free. Yes, yes, they do. Um, but um, yeah, so how is what? How else did you cope with that? Was this something that did you write through high school with this kind of thing? How? What? Tell me more. <laughs> So in elementary, you know, I was thick. You know, I always tell people, you know, I'm stacked like library books and not like pancakes. So, <laughs> um, so I was a thick child, and food was my friend. Like it's very comforting. Um, and but by the time I got to high school, I joined organizations like cheer and dance to, you know, get the weight off. But as a child, yes, I was a thick girl. And so I think parents then in the 80s, they just did not know how to help children cope with it, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like my mom just, you know, you're a pretty girl, though. You're a smart girl, though. But sometimes that just wasn't enough. And so I found my comfort in food, which added on to the problem. But it wasn't until like I started like beginning to look at the mirror and realizing that I was worthy and then I didn't have to be become what they said I was. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Was this in like this transition for you? Was this in teenage when you kind of because that's a lot. I mean, to be an adolescent and the words you just say were very powerful, powerful. Um, I think my, my Dallas accent is coming out in this episode. I got <laughs> to keep that at bay. <laughs> but seriously, you know, for a teenager to recognize that you don't have to be what people say you are. How on earth did you find that voice? My pen, my paper, and my favorite. You know, we all have those people that pour into us. Mm-hmm. And I had a teacher. You know, I really wish sometimes I could actually go back to Dallas and find certain teachers that like pour, that saw things in me Say that I names. didn't see in myself. Say their names. We don't know if they have a... Somebody might listen. Say, give them their props now, man. Okay, so I had the school librarian. Her name was Miss Boykins. And she is the one that put me on stage and actually taught me at an early age, you make them regret everything that they said about you. Like, how do you do that? Like, they call me fat. I am fat. And she'll say, so what? You be the, you know, fat girl that demands the stage. And so... She would teach me, honestly, how to get on stage and you look over their heads and you look back back past all of their heads to the clock at the back of the auditorium and you get all that sass that you give me when we talk, you give it too. What? That'll work? And it did. And so after a while, the comments started diminishing when people could see me for who I really was, this you know, exuberant, jovial, jolly child with so much life and so much personality. So about the sixth and seventh grade, that's when that transition started to happen. And so people started to see my talent, what that God-given talent. Like, this is nothing that I'm pulling out my ass. This is just who I am. And Miss Boykins, I never will forget her as long as I'm living. She took that and she, you know, just bought those skills that she could see out to the forefront. Wow. 
Wow, I love that. You know what? That that just reminds me, you know, to be a teacher and educator, it's a calling. You know, that is like the point. Oh, it's a ministry. And to, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, seriously, I remember when I first graduated college, I could not find a job. And people kept saying, go get your teacher certification. And I refused. I took a, I finally found a job that was definitely a horrible job. I'm going to be honest, but I took it because I knew it would be such a disservice to just go get emergency certification and certify and just for a check, because I knew that I would do no good by those kids. (laughs) (laughs) I knew I was not the person who needed to be pouring into kids. Not in that way. Now, individually, absolutely. I'm, I'm all about lifting kids up and making them shine. But to deal with them every day under, you know, like state regulations and all those other things, I knew that that wasn't for me. And so the, the men and women who make it their life's journey and their life's lesson and mission to point the kids, man, I will always support them and always try to do what I can. But that's just that's beautiful, Charlie. I never knew that. That's beautiful. Yes. Well, so you let's fast forward. You're in college. You're in Houston. No, I'm not out of college. And you're going through some things and you decide to pick up a pen and or or your computer. I'm sure I'm sure. You, do you do you write by hand first or do you type? I still write by hand. Well, I'm so old school, girl. I am I still. It. it just sounds like something you would do like this lady. <laughs> I am still old school. Wow. Wow. Okay. So you, you, you pick up a book. Uh, I mean, you pick up a pen or a pencil and a purple pen probably, and you're, you're writing and you decide to, to write a book. So you get this passion, you finish it up. How on earth did you get published? How did you figure out that you wanted to be vulnerable and put your work out there? So the first book I self-published, and I would encourage anyone to do that if they feel like they have a story that they want to get out there. Um, And so self-publishing, it's a lot of work. But when I remember getting my first book in my hand, I cried. I cried to see that it come to fruition. Um, So the first one I self-published the rest have been on publishing companies um and i couldn't at first it's really hard to break into this world i mean it's like kind of like almost like the mafia a little bit you know like you have to know someone and know someone but once you're in you're in (laughs) you know yeah and so um i met some other people and they were like I'll help you and they really did and it kind of showed me the ropes and I'm one of those people all you have to do is show me one time and I will remember but after that like when I got published other people start seeing my works so it allowed me to explore other publishing companies out in the world Mm, okay so now which brings us to 2017, and you have this new body of work. Um, I'd love for you to tell us what it's about. Tell, tell me, share with everyone why it was important to you uh, to write this new book. So the new body of work is called SOS, Sisters of the Storm, um, Stories of Survival and Strength, Faith, Focus, and Fidelity. Um, because I knew that this was going to happen, you know, because our lives are so uh, charged by social media, you know, here today, gone tomorrow. But I knew long after the water receded, 
long after, you know, uh, things started returning to normal, that people will forget about what people endured. And to live through Harvey, like, it was an eye-opener for me because I decided to ride this thing out. And then to find other women, and just like everything in our life, we think there were the only ones going through it, and that wasn't the case. And to find other women who was willing to share their story and be open and vulnerable, that meant so much to me. Well, then you get to talking to other women and you find out shelters that were affected or torn up by Harvey. See, what people don't even realize is that Harvey made landfall three times. <laughs> you know, like I believe in numbers and everything. And so the proceeds from this project, the initial proceeds, are actually not going into our pocket. It's to actually benefit Sarah's house in Missouri County that was affected by it um, to help other women that were already in a situation. And so we want to give back. So this is a way that we are actually giving back to those that can't give to themselves at this time. And so that's what this project is about. It's really reaching back and helping our sisters. And sisters are not always the same color. I don't want people to think that. Sister is, I, I have sisters of all races and ethnicities. Mm -hmm. it's, help, it's a sisterhood. And a sisterhood is building up women to say, girl, I got you. I got your back. You are not in this thing alone. And that's what their project was about. Love it. And, um, you know, what I really love, like I said in the beginning, you're a giver. And I have seen it myself. I've seen, like, your connector, your giver, which definitely is why I want to talk about your event series, the Face It series. Um, what is it that, and, 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 oh, wait a minute, I'm sorry, let me back up. One of the things I wanted to say was Charlie's writing. You know, I know what you just said, and you just, that's a great cause. But I want people to know what kind of books you write, because I'm going to list all your books in the notes. She's funny as hell, first off. <laughs> Uh, single mama dating drama that's like that literally was like the best fiction like funny book I've read in a while like and haven't read a funnier funnier one since I read that that was was, was that coming last year was that last year that, that was last year yeah that was last year so now we got a book a year okay Mariah that's what we're doing <laughs> you know honey you gotta keep it hot like fish grease you know <laughs> With her, she's, it's not just she's definitely 100% a motivational speaker but she's a life motivational speaker meaning like she said you're not the only one she's very vulnerable with um her storytelling and i'm saying that because i know you're going to be a little bit more politically correct because you know i know you and that's just what it is but you want a good read you want a quick read you want something that's like oh my gosh um this is this is making me giggle like you need to pick me up i love your books because i feel like i can they, it's snippets to me i don't have to be um I can read your book simultaneously. Like I love to read several books at you know at a time. So yes. I can pick up and say, Oh, I feel like laughing. Let me read a quick story out of Single Mama, you know, dating drama. And I know I'm misquoting the whole title because I'm it's work I'm wordy, but you know what I mean. It'll be in the notes, guys. But I love that. I love the story of From the For from the Forest to the Florist, your first book. 
Yes. You know, I, I love the way you tell stories. So I'm saying to folks, I always like to tell people what type of books they should expect, what they should expect from the books we're talking about, because everybody's not an avid reader and everybody, you know, some people are looking for certain things, but this is a great book. And I love that you definitely have relatable stories. It's not this make-believe world. It's really, really funny. So that. Now, sorry I segue from the Face It series. But, <laughs> I, but I believe that there's power in storytelling. Yeah. And I'm telling you, if more women would share their story, we would really have more successful marriages, more successful parenting. Because we, we kind of believe that we have to, have to do it alone. But it's an old wives tale that says it takes a village to raise a child. Well, it takes a village to do absolutely everything. I'm going to add on to it. To raise a child, to have a happy home, to cook a good cake. Like, it, I mean, you really need to call somebody. Like, when I try to bake, girl, I need to call my grandma and ask how many eggs it needs to separate. Like, we really need to get away from this, like, I don't want, you know, to add these people into my business. It's sometimes you need that extra oh, yeah. push to say, hey, girl, this is what you need to do. My yeah, child was being this way. Or I remember my husband and I were going through this. This is, And that's why that book came along, too, From the Floors to the Forest. I felt like I was in that thing alone. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm going to help somebody. Whoever wrote this book, I want them to walk away feeling blessed and benefited because it's not you. This is a process. And if you don't realize that this is a process, like, yeah, I walked away thinking the day I got married that I was Cinderella. And then it dawned on me when I was writing a book, when I read Cinderella back in third grade, we never got to the second part of that story. And they lived happily ever after. So what happens after the after and the ever? <laughs> like, what happens? You know, like, did she brush her teeth every day? Did she throw her hair in them? Like, we just don't know. And we make all of these assumptions of what we think it is. And I was like, let me help somebody today. Help Lord today. Yes. Yes. And I love that. I, I, you know, wow. Yeah. I've been saying it for a while, though. I believe we're in an awakening. I believe. And I don't, I've said it time and time again. I don't know what they're going to call this particular moment in history. And now, this last year, it's, it's become more woman-focused. And they're saying the feminist movement, which I think is just the wrong term. To, to use. I even hate the word feminist because just because I'm a proud woman, now I'm a feminist. Why can't I just be proud of who I am? Yeah, but it, exactly. You know, I digress. But I truly believe that this particular moment in time, as far as creatives, as far as women, as far as African-American women, finally having brands acknowledge us. Like, I love that Nordstrom's has the black women singing Christmas songs. You know, I love that Gap did the ad with all different shades of women of color. I love that pretty much every cosmetic line now is coming out with shades that match all of our lovely, especially us women who are melanin rich, (laughs) Uh, like you and myself. You know, I love that. And I think that it's about damn time, number one. Uh, But I also love that you can't go back from it. You know, there's you can't you can't bring this to forefront and then act like you didn't do it. You can't just pretend that you haven't given women a voice or finally given us a voice. I'll even say that, you know, um, and given us platforms. So I think it's a beautiful time in present now history. I guess five minutes ago is history. So I think it's a it's a great time to be a creative, to be a contributor, to be a writer, 
and, and, and shine the light on that too. I love that you are still writing because, you know, it's almost like it's a lost art. Who are the new writers? You know, who are the new people to follow? You know? Yeah. And you know, the thing is, if we don't tell our story, who else will? And I refuse to let anyone change my narrative. So why? that's one reason why I still write or I post or I share uh, what it is uh, on Instagram or on Facebook about dating or about womanhood, you know, because I'm not going to let you change my narrative, right. uh, you know, and, and I wish more women would feel that way, uh, you know, instead of letting somebody else feel that void, you feel it. You fill that hole with your own concrete before somebody else fill it for you or fills it for you. Yeah. And you always have these little nuggets. Fill that hole with your own concrete. I don't even want to know where that came from. <laughs> Listen, because we dig holes. Sometimes we dig these holes. And then, like, people pour other stuff in it. Like, no, go get your own concrete and build your own foundation. That's how you do that. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> okay, so you're definitely have you know your share of success as a best-selling author as a motivational speaker you're constantly on panels you're constantly speaking why is it that you added something else and decided and what motivated you to add your event series and to create this uh yet another space for women what was it that made you want to do that because I feel like women need a place to go and be themselves, not be someone's mother, not be somebody's wife, girlfriend, somebody's daughter, somebody's niece. You need a moment to do you. But most of all, while you're doing you, learn something new. And that's how Face It came about. Because we will fake it until we make it. And we up here about to break down on the side of the road. And so sometimes you got to just go and face yourself. You have to really make the mirror your best friend. And so that's how the name came about. Because I just got tired of people faking it. You know, like, you're not okay. And it's okay not to be okay. But in this space, in this safe space, we will create, we will borrow, we will love, we will encourage, we will push you to your highest level to fill you back up so you can go out and be the best you. And so that's how I created Face It. So do you have any new uh, upcoming events with Face It that you want to share? Yes. So this year, I want to do something different. So, you know, usually I do like the vision board party. But this year, for Valentine's Day, we're going to do a beautifully you. It's a dance party, but it's also a self-love approach as well. Again, looking at Mira in the, as your best friend. But we're going to learn a routine, and we're going to sweat till we wet so you can go home and work on your own routine and work that thing out for your boo for Valentine's Day. <laughs> sweat till you wet. Okay, sweat till you wet. Like, you got to get your health in order, too. You know, it's just so many facets of womanhood, but, like, I'm learning that health is wealth and without good health then you won't even be the best you you know oh yeah yeah no that that's currency all that other stuff you know you can reget you can you can reget i'm just making up stuff you can get again that's okay dallas like hey i'm with you girl i'm with you <laughs> okay stop it i will totally go I'm totally messed up but no <laughs> 
got me. But no, seriously, that's why you know how I feel about health. You already know. You know yes. I believe in working out and, and fitting it in and, and diet. And, I, and a few years ago, I totally changed um, my food intake and how I eat and how I looked at food because I... It's not necessarily that it was 100% of comfort. I just kind of just stopped caring, I guess, about what I ate. If it tastes good, I just did it, and I thought moderation was good. And it's not that I'm saying you can't have anything bad, but I was not realizing how much our bodies really are machines. And it's just like your vehicle. You drive a luxury car, you cannot put regular unleaded in your tank. Mm-mm, you even have to put premium. But well, we are premium machines made custom order there's no other one like you so that machine needs quality food it needs quality fuel and great fuel is basically what's what's in front of you You know those vegetables those lean meats all those things and when i started to think about it that way and like okay you know you hear people say all the time eat to live don't live to eat yeah you hear but when you really think about it like your body is made to run better on veggies and and a certain amount of iron, a certain amount of potassium. There's a reason why you need all those vitamins. (laughs) Your your brain works better on certain amount of them. You know, you have more iron, you have great blood flow, there's no anemia. All these different things that we have, all these, like diabetes, there's a reason you don't need all that sugar. You know, your body makes insulin. You know, there's so many different things and we could, that's a whole nother show, but I'm with you on that. And I love that so many women have these platforms where we are making it fun. Like, I cannot wait to your Valentine's events. You know, I'll be there. I, don't, I won't be on the front row because I'm not a good dancer. Not in that. Uh, I love to dance. I love <laughs> to dance. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, don't don't look at me in the mirror because I, I don't, especially with routines, that's too much pressure for me. But I will be there because it sounds fun and I know it'll be a good time because it's your event. <laughs> you always have a good event. Well, thank you. You're welcome. So when can everybody expect to find SOS? When is that going to be released? So SOS will be released right before Christmas and you will be able to find them on my website. Um, so which is www.charliecharliemarcole.com. And of course, we will have a book signing because we want people to come out and be a part of it and meet the other authors and the other contributors to this because there's some really great stories. Like one lady, oh my God, she wrote a love letter to us. She acted like she was Harvey and it was a lesson why Harvey came here. I mean, it's some really good stories. And one lady talked about, you know, how this storm, but I knew that that was going to happen because for five days we couldn't move. We couldn't go anywhere we were paralyzed in this city and so you had to either learn to like your husband or you was gonna hate him after it was gonna be done and so you know I mean and then one story it's called you know what I do for the D and and the D you know what we want sometimes is not always best. And so Dee has a whole different meaning to her after Harvey leaves. So it's some really good stories within this series. And I'm really excited about it to help women um, create this space for them to help them create, you know, um, opportunities for they, for the, for them to be writers as well. I love that. And I love, I can't wait. I I mean, definitely, you know, I will 
definitely share and support in any way that I can. Uh, I will put it in the show notes and make sure there's a link for you guys because I love that people, you're doing something to remind people that people still need help. I, and, and it's really sad to me now because, you know, California right now, what they're going through with the fires and the devastation, it's just like one thing after another. And I know a lot of people probably feel like every time I turn around, you know, there's something is people asking happening. for money for charity. Um, but guess what? That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. So I love the cause. I love your spirit. I love that you continue to pour into people. I love, you know, that you are answering your call and that you found a voice out of pain. And, and that's something I hope that the listeners at home can connect with. Where can people follow you, Charlie? So I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook all as Charlie Marcole. Um, and yeah, C-H-A-R-L-E. Did I spell it right? See what I'm saying? C H A R L I E M A R C O L. See? Cute. No, but seriously, it will be in the nose. Charlie is a phenomenal person, and I cannot thank you enough, Charlie, for coming on and sharing your new project with us, letting people know, and sharing your pain. Because that was, you know, even that, a lot of people still wouldn't talk about those things. So please continue to let your light shine. And I, I cannot wait to see what 2018 has in store for you. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me on, friend. You know I love you with every fiber of my being. Yes, we go back many years, but, you know, I wouldn't replace our friendship for nothing in the world. And from the moment we met, we just just instantly became connected. We just didn't know then, but now we know why. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And, you know, I want to thank everybody for tuning in yet again and continue to support Brunch and Slay in all capacities, most importantly, for supporting the podcast. And if you are liking what you hear each week, I ask that you share uh, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter with friends. Please subscribe if you haven't subscribed already. And most certainly, subscribe. Write you. You can definitely find Brunch and Slay on, on brunchandslay.com. I'm sorry, you can find the podcast on brunchandslay.com. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, wherever you can listen to a podcast, we are there. And if you really love what we're doing and you want to hear more and you want to hear me get better, then you can definitely donate to the show for as little as $1 a month. The, the link is in the bio and there's even a clickable link on the website on the podcast section. For as little as $1 a month, you can help support and continue to help me have great speakers here and continues to help us help other women shine. So thank you again for joining us. And until next time, I'm Amira Sane, and this is Brunch and Slice.